Welcome to I Just Don't Know, a podcast where we try to learn something new, challenge my opinions, and hope to make the misinformed informed. I can openly say I've spoken when I did not need to, been unnecessarily controversial, and shared my misinformed opinion, thinking it was not. In this podcast, I'll try to right some wrongs and take on a new topic each episode that I think are new, but in fact, I just don't know. This episode is about magic, mages, monster hunters and dragons. It is about our fascination with intrinsically detailed and imaginative fantasy worlds inspired by folklore and ancient stories that have been expertly put together by a handful of authors over the past century or so. I'm talking about the genre of fantasy in our books, films and games, in particular The Witcher. So my assumption around the genre of fantasy is that when I was growing up and for a long time, I would say that I never thought I really was a fan of fantasy. I think the sheer complexity of many fantasy worlds and universes was just too much to to comprehend. And perhaps the sort of traditional elements uh, of the of a fantasy novel is that the or a fantasy world is that there are no constraints anything is possible whether it be magic or a type of monster or beast it was there is no logical necessary logical explanation for what can happen in a storyline or in a world that that, uh, that that they turn up to the, the main character might uh, come across and so magic can be anything, it can be a curse, being a werewolf or a spell causing something to happen or a charm which can influence behaviour or something like that. And, and yes, while it is categorised in those elements, the magic is just uh, sort of unrelentingly uh, so diverse, it could be it could be anything. And that's perhaps too much to comprehend when... Uh, when you, you sort of you're younger or you're just looking for the simple story and that's perhaps where my assumption is I always thought that fantasy was too complex and while it is rooted in a lot of fantasy is inspired by folklore and stories as uh, as mentioned before they are that does suggest that there is some sort of history to it or grounding to it that does give it that explanation and that's what that is where uh, I think fantasy really comes to become more than uh, just fantasy. It actually represents something bigger um, in a local community or, or a country or or even an entire continent. Um, so my assumption is that fantasy has pr- somewhat previously been less appealing to me and arguably to the more popular mainstream. And only in the last 10 years, through a number of different series, um, genres, uh, not genres, sorry, universes, fantasy universes, that it's become more popular. And in particular, The Witcher, which I, I am currently watching the second season of and I've watched the first season and I'm playing the game. That is a perhaps something that's inspired this this episode and also inspired this analysis of our um, our opinion of fantasy and, how, and where does it play in in um, 
popular culture right now because I think it's now more popular than it has ever been because of a few key changes that we're going to look at in this podcast episode and we're going to look at how certain elements to recent things such as The Witcher has allowed it to become ever more popular. So listen to find out and uh, enjoy. So there are a few mainstream fantasy uh, universes I wanted to cover first before sort of deep diving a little bit more into into The Witcher and what has inspired this this podcast. So firstly, I have to start with Harry Potter. So I'm, uh, I have to, over the last few weeks and in particular over the Christmas time, uh, the TV uh, TV wasn't that great, to be honest, on... on um, uh, some of the, the main channels and I don't know if some of you might have noticed that the Harry Potter channel on Sky I only have Sky when I go home um, is that it was just Harry Potter constantly in order playing 24-7 pretty much so I just found myself occasionally watching bits of each film and you start to appreciate how good the story was and how well those films are, are represented and it just shows that Harry Potter is, there's a reason why it is so popular. But fundamentally, it is a fantasy genre. It is it lies under the fantasy genre. It's all about wizards and monsters and potions. And, um, and it, but you could say that, the, well, I remember watching the first episode, the first film, sorry, and it's like really represents and shows you in a nutshell um, what, Hogwarts is all about and if you read the books it dwells a little bit longer on the different elements of Hogwarts from the potions to the to the spells you have to learn and the, and it's perhaps where the films sort of touch on briefly just to sh- represent what it what it is um but in terms of the how much it focuses on magic itself in terms of the story that just gives it the the, the bulk to it and the colour to it that is really important and the vibrancy to the whole story by having magical cloaks and and the was it deathly hallows and things like that. But fundamentally everyone is obsessed with the well, it was very intrigued by the the story of the chosen one and the good versus evil of Harry Potter versus you know who and, and who's gonna win and it's very clear by the end of it spoilers, obviously <laughs> that the good win and and I'm not sure about the more recent films and and what that's necessarily about but fundamentally it's a story of good versus evil and so Harry Potter the books came out what in the 90s first film in 99 so you could say back then this is my 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 sort of theory is that fantasy was uh, not that popular but it was the beginning of a movement of pushing fantasy into the mainstream and Harry Potter was a big part of that so the second one and perhaps something I'm even more of a fan of was Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings was just epic and thinking back to myself when I was a sort of 10 11 years old that it was very clearly a story of good good versus evil and while there were some dodgy characters and and arguments and some politics in involved like if I think about 
Gondor and, and things like that and uh, the elves versus the dwarves but they don't really touch on that in terms of the films the books they do um, I've not uh, read the books in detail so I can't say but from what I understand of playing all the games and things like that and reading up on it the there are sometimes some some conflicts between the elves and things like that um, but fundamentally it's a story by J.R.R. Tolkien created 80 years ago that has many different theories of what it represents but you can see his inspiration from uh, from World War One, and there's a great film um, about it as well that's, that's, that's worth watching but fundamentally it's a clear story of good versus evil and if anything it's easier to understand because the evil are they look very evil they're orcs and urukai and they're, they're ugly and they're, and they're magical beasts that aren't are not necessarily traditional fantasy um, animals or beasts then they're they are tolkien's creation and what they're called and things like that but fundam but in terms of the focus on magic itself and fantasy it's it's not it's quite subtle, I would think. And as much as I know Gandalf is the most popular character and he's the guard, guide and leads the way and one of the main characters, the most recognisable characters in for the entire sort of uh, um, franchise, as you call it, um, his occasional use of magic can change the tide of battles and the battles and the fighting was probably why I was actually obsessed with, with Lord of the Rings when I was when I was younger. Um but if I think back, and for those people who know, like when he uses a bit of magic, um, I watched recently the the end of the, the two towers when he uses the light to blind blind the enemy so they can charge in, and uh, but that's quite subtle. It's just getting the sun on your side and um, and to blind blind your enemy, which is a classic battle move to put the sun behind you so to blind the enemy and therefore them make them less effective. So it's a bit subtle and very similar to Harry Potter, it's a clear good versus evil story arc that is so much easily uh, consumed and, and digested by, in particular, kids and teenagers, and um, and that's why it was perhaps so popular. And then thirdly, I just want to touch on, while it's not necessarily fantasy, Star Wars is definitely sort of similar to this and I remember being very obsessed with Star Wars just at around the same time as the age of 10, 11, 12 and I'm sure people now who are the same age are obsessed with the newer films and the newer genres where there's more impressive CGI and things like that but again Star Wars arguably has an unlimited universe with aliens and galaxies and planets and but I think it's again not that focus on that complexity it's more focused on good versus evil the the um and a focus on societal changes and ideology of of peace versus e uh, distraught destruction and conquering versus um the, the sith versus the jedi and it's very clear good versus evil story arc again uh, and there are bad guys that are leading that are clearly have supernatural powers and there's sort of well the most recognizable is Darth Vader and you have good ones with Luke and Anakin and all those people Obi-Wan Kenobi the, the the leading characters again have supernatural powers are wizards of some sort or have magical powers as, as such so 
it's all about the people with more magical powers um and it was obviously super popular in the 80s but you can't really say it's fantasy but i do want to touch on it because it is sort of similar an unlimited universe that but again with a clear story up of good versus evil interestingly though in the in the more recent star wars films you could say that the jedi the idea of this the magic that they have people become more skeptical there's moments where they don't believe or have never seen a jedi ever they they say and it's 30 years down the line and the idea of these supernatural beings is a long distance myth now and it's interesting that the newer films do that because is that because they're trying to make it more real going the opposite way that perhaps goes against my idea that fantasies become more appealing and magic and things like that people want more real dynamics and politics so but then some people say this new star wars films are rubbish and uh they are they are they're not amazing so maybe they should have gone the other way but then the lastly i want to touch on perhaps the biggest contributor to this movement towards um fantasy becoming the mainstream and and popular mainstream anyway is of course game of thrones by george R. R. martin starting in 2011 10 around that time or going until 2019 that's a long time for a tv series popular sort of one of the most some of the most popular tv series go for around that long five seasons and this was eight seasons game of thrones created a cult that you can't really compare to um it's perhaps not it's definitely not as large as harry potter you could argue it's not as big as lord of the rings but because of the timing of it there was so much more hype around game of thrones because of it was just easier things to spread than Lord of the Rings. I'd still say Lord of the Rings is bigger, without a doubt. Um, but Game of Thrones was that was written in over the course of of, of um, the nineties and and, um, and yeah, around that yeah around the nineties and uh, into the into the noughties by George R. R. Martin and it is clearly um the gradual turning point of moving fantasy in all its in all its forms to the mainstream but i don't think again it doesn't it's not a true fantasy genre in the sense that um it it follows things exactly to the traditional fantasies in terms of witches and mages and goblins and all the folklore rules of werewolves and things like that a lot of it is still made up much like lord of the rings you've got you've got um the undead and ice kings and it created a, it made us obsessed with dragons and fire and uh beyond the wall and the north and the south so it touches on things that people can relate to in some way or people can be fascinated by but it's not traditional fantasy it's more just made up a made up universe of the impending winter that's coming evil versus everything else which is good but everything else is where you could say is where um it was more interesting and more like other tv shows you could say for the first six to seven seasons was more about the politics the geopolitics of the different factions the game of thrones itself the trying to become the king 
and the underdog who has nothing, the the Khaleesi who's got no army, no no followers, but then soon becomes the the most powerful person, and then comes back to take back what they what they own. And you have the the likable characters and the unlikable characters on both sides. So I think that was what made Game of Thrones more popular. It was not necessarily the fantasy, but the politics. And so arguably it wasn't as big a fantasy, pop, well, popular fantasy um, series as you could, you could, or what it, what it looks like on the surface. It didn't do as much as you'd think it had for the fantasy genre. And I loved it. I love the the politics side of it and the the violence and the occasional um, sort of speech and act incredible moments of acting um, and the action. But and and obviously very popular. There was the the irrelevant moments of nudity and inappropriate moments that pushed the boundaries of TV and the goriness to it. And that's what made it popular. I remember watching about to watch season one and uh the and i only watched it because of sean bean i'm a huge fan of as a as one of my favorite actors and uh unfortunately yeah he doesn't last very long but you carry on watching and it became it built that huge hype around it people loved it so the question is then why did it stay so popular and you could argue that in the latter latter seasons where it's gone down in the ratings and people didn't like it necessarily that's because how they wrapped up the story but that was where more of the fantasy came in so again is it did the fantasy put people off because that's not what is actually popular in the mainstream um not sure but what i want to focus on now is traditional fantasy the fantasy where things have deep rooted origins in folklore and long distance stories um and we're going to touch on that uh, by looking at The Witcher. Um, but let's quickly just to summarise then, so arguably then, and generalising somewhat, um, fantasy is perhaps less easy to comprehend um, because there is an absence of that clear good versus evil arc. Um, and when there isn't that clear good versus evil storyline like in harry potter like in lord of the rings like in um oh, star wars like you could say less so in game of thrones but eventually it does become good versus evil there's it becomes harder to digest and while there are evil things and beasts and people that are inside societies and storylines it's requires a more perhaps a mature or general understanding of our own world before you can really appreciate the depths and details of a of a fantasy universe and that's where i think what takes me on to the witcher and because it is so complex so difficult to understand from the off has a lot of depth to it straight away does it throws you in it's traditional in every sense when it comes to sort of fantasy and the fantasy and, and the different things of uh, you would expect in in these um these fantasy universes it is more appreciated further once 
you have a better understanding of or of your of the of the world itself it doesn't rely on a very clear good versus evil story arc so to focus on the witch then um we're going to look at that in this in the second part of uh, of this episode where we're going to look at some of the background and um talk about how it it has brought together all of our things that we've enjoyed in 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 terms of magic and and fantasy and and um these different universes over the last 20 30 years and why it's perhaps a turning point for the fantasy genre that i thought was never going to be popular so uh yeah listen to find out So The Witcher is a series of six fantasy novels and 15 short stories um, written by a Polish author um, called Andrzej Zapakowski, if I pronounce that right. And it revolves around um, a a witcher called Geralt of of Rivia. And the witcher is effectively a beast hunter with some supernatural abilities. Sounds familiar to the other series we're talking about. And they battle beasts and monsters in the in that. That's what their focus is in ter- in order to make the world safe. So it's almost like a story of a guardian, and uh, rather than and he's not necessarily in the mainstream um, straight away. Uh, so the the author uh, Andre he wrote some more stories in nine, and this is from the nineteen started in nineteen eighty six, and um, and he wrote a series of novels again in 1994 and his final fifth uh, final installment um what well, a prequel novel was in was published in 2013 but his final installment of the main st- books were in 1999 and um perhaps also interesting is uh someone i work with who is um, polish and they actually know um i think her dad knew uh, the author in poland and uh uh, that's that's pretty cool. So, um, but apparently, the books over the course of the eighties and nineties has a cult following in Poland, Central and Eastern Europe, uh, and has now been translated into thirty-seven languages, um, and has sold many many copies worldwide. I first heard of The Witcher when it was converted or changed into a, a game series, video game series. So you got The Witcher. The Witcher 2, um, Assassins of Kings, and The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, which I am trying to play at the moment and, and sort of experience and try and understand it from that sense, um, has been changed into a graphic novel series as well. Um, that uh, I'm not sure what that one's about, but uh, and they've sold even more co- even more copies, 50 million copies, so um, a comic, I think that is. Um, so yeah, very popular cult following on that sense but now it's uh more put into the mainstream in terms of it's being turned into the television television series that you guys might have heard of on netflix and that is where it has reached that epitome of the mainstream as such um so a bit more a bit more background about the witch yourself if you don't know about it so the story is set on an unnamed continent which was uh, settled uh, thousands of years ago by the elves, 
Um, when they when they arrived, they encountered gnomes and dwarfs and different species of things, and there was a, a war for the um, for the land, effectively, the elves versus dwarves, similar to perhaps you could argue very similar to Lord of the Rings there, and the, the dwarves were forced to retreat to the mountains, and the elves settled the plains and the forests. Uh, but then, more recently, 500 years ago, human colonists arrived. Um, and they started a series of wars uh, where overall the humans were victorious and became dominant. Um, and the non-human races were considered as second-class citizens and were put into small ghettos and settlements. And while not necessarily confined, they were, they were allowed to um, retreat to the areas of wilderness not yet claimed by humans. So again, humans are seen as the as the sort of the bad guys and if you say in Lord of the Rings uh, the classic uh, so Tolkien from 100 years ago says the, the, the race of men push all sort of uh, are, are the future and all other races will have to leave Middle Earth so it's a similar sort of there's definitely a parallel there so these other races the, the halflings and uh, dyadads and uh, werewolves and vampires um were actually created um, by something called the conjunction of spheres. So I think there's an idea that the elves tried to create create this event to give them more um, more more strength and more more to fight the humans with. Um, so, but it also says here that uh, so during the centuries preceding the stories, most of the continent's southern regions have been taken over by the Nilfgaard Empire. The north belongs to fragmented northern kingdoms, so different, um, sort of with lots of politics going on there, so it sounds familiar. And the Witcher saga takes place in the aftermath of the first major war between the Nilfgaard Empire and the northern kingdoms, with the second war beginning in the middle of the series. So that is, um, that is the clear sort of. Uh, sort of the background of the story with the main characters being Geralt of Rivia um, and he's the sort of the protagonist of the series and he travels the continent making a living killing hunting monsters that plague the land uh, caused by uh, by the were created in the conjunction of spheres where arguably the elves were trying to um, get a more but well, a better a better um force to push back the the humans and um the the story of the elves is quite an interesting one because in the later series and what's clear in the first series and in the and in the uh, the games as well is that they're treated elves are the <clears throat> the largest series or largest sort of race that still exists in plain sight they get treated very poorly by by the humans and there's definitely sort of parallels into um metaphor as of like how a minority is dealt with in in history and in, in real in real life and um rounding them up and putting them into cages and not letting them reproduce and all these different things so um a similar story that is you can see where the inspiration came from given the author was the polish so i don't want to dwell too much on that one um so um the other key characters, uh, well, actually, no, here we, I wanted to go back to Geralt Rivia, who's the main character, 
Um, so he is linked to uh, another character by Destiny, Siri, who I'll touch on in a second. But uh, he he's represented or embodies uh, sort of supposedly neoliberal anti-politics. He doesn't want to get involved, but he w- he respects everyone can do whatever they want to do, and which was become which is represents the spirit of po- Polish popular culture in the nineties as they've um, exited the sort of the control of the, the USSR. So um, I can see where what again what inspires um, the author to 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 write this this character. Uh, you then have Cyrilla. Um, or who is uh, the who's known as the child of elder blood and the cub of Sintra, uh, lady of time and space, and the princess of Sintra, which is a kingdom in in the north, and she's Geralt's destiny and adopted daughter, and much of the plot is around is is um, is written around her, uh, centered around her. Sorry, so fundamentally, Siri, as they call it, is yeah, she's the the princess that it's all about and again you could say it's about that she's the chosen one again parallels with with harry potter and um and this is where the, the story that people want to know about you then have yennefer Veng- uh, wengerberg who is um she actually appears in the in the shorter stories um and then eventually features in the main story powerful sorceress um and advisor to and mother figure to Syrian and, and and Geralt's lover, so this is where things get a bit saucy in the TV series and things like that, and that's where it gets the popular the popular vote there. Unfortunately, that's um, it, it works every time. And then um, you have um, another. You have a few other key characters, but those three characters are the main one main ones to know. So you could say there's only three key characters to to know about in this story the rest is all about the universe itself and the inspiration of of fantasy that leads leads the charge in understanding the different um elements of 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 the witcher and because of i think because there are so many so many stories that were written by the by the author and so much depth to the 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 game well to the to the books as well the games had so much material to use and when you play the games it's more famous for having so many side quests that are actually really good whether it's figuring out someone's a werewolf or finding out there's a there's witches in the bog or um there's someone sort of who's been haunted by ghouls or um there's so there's so many or harpies and there's there's just such a range of different um elements to 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 the to the game itself and and you see in the the well in the series as well they really do that in some of the episodes that could be an episode in itself they don't really touch on the main story but they come across a village that has a story in itself with that has its own depth because of some sort of magical happenings that aren't just made up they are based quite well on traditional things that um, i think do so more than any of the other tv series that or series that i've talked about before whether it's harry potter lord of the rings or whatever they really touch on the um the complexity of of, of fantasy in the sense like for example werewolves like silver and 
a silver sword and moon dust and um, that will counteract them or is it a spider that has poisonous and therefore antidotes will contradict that and um, and you could say Harry Potter does touch on this in in the books and you sometimes hear it in the films with the with the the potions and um, how to sort of deal with some of the um, the spells and things like that but I think a lot of it is is made up the popular ones are clearly made up to a point to, to fit the story and you can see where maybe because the Witcher was was created by someone in sort of Central Europe where folklore and um, these ancient stories were hugely popular and there was not as much influence perhaps from um, different uh, well I'm generalizing here not it, these these stories were things like Dracula and vampires are long long stories that have, have really ingrained themselves in those communities and and um, societies that there's an understanding of things like vampires can't deal with um, garlic and and uh, um, certain sort of and again things silver swords and things like that so overall there's this almost this universe that is accepted that this is what this is what it's about and they don't you don't need to add any extra and you don't need to have wizards and wands or made up wizards in Lord of the Rings it serves itself and all you need is a land where there are some kingdoms with new names and there are some similarities in terms of some politics going on and you do have a bit of a storyline with um with someone with lots of power and someone seeking the power so again geopolitics is is very popular here very similar to how why game of thrones is is um is popular um but i think the witcher is so good because it's of its side quests because of its side stories each one has its has that depth to it that um you you don't necessarily get there aren't many side quests or side stories in lord of the rings there aren't really any side stories or side quests in harry potter um there aren't really there are perhaps some side stories in star wars with each planet's got its own issues and um game of thrones there are some smaller side quests and side stories that you that they touch on in in the in the tv series but why the witcher is perhaps uh, taking it to the next level because of that focus on on appreciating fantasy in its in its true traditional self then it becomes that uh, it allows it that depth to have these inc- these great side quests that don't rely on clear good versus evil and doesn't rely on a, a, sto- a big story arc about power and the chosen one and the end of the world that people always eat up and are very easily consumable. So that's why perhaps I think The Witcher has managed to do something different in terms of the fantasy genre in in, in the mainstream and um, and it surprised me and um, and so yeah um, summarising that it is clear that the fantasy genre I thought was back back in the day was was brought to the floor very much, very much definitely by 
the likes of Harry Potter, but it wasn't necessarily cool, as you could say. And in the noughties, you had things like World of Warcraft and the Chronicles of Narnia that were family-focused. Yes, was they were written in the 1950s, but you had the films from 2005, uh, three films, uh, 2005, 2008, and 2010. And uh, I think just after that, you had the things like Elder Scrolls that was focused on a fantasy in terms of the gaming community. Um, and uh, But magic and fantasy was not necessarily cool it wasn't nice it had clear cult followings there were many book series that were created in the 90s and noughties and um but it wasn't necessarily that mainstream it was super popular as such that um it really grasped people's imagination and while lord of the rings you could say is definitely fantasy it's clear good versus evil story arc again much like harry potter that's why it was perhaps so um so mainstream and uh, well so popular on the mainstream and it's incredible battles and revolutionary uh, revolutionary filming that they did so it wasn't actually fantasy that made it um super popular and again you could say it wasn't it was still not cool seen as cool as such um, and then more lately now, you have um, book series that have, are coming to TV because you now could say fantasy is becoming a bit cooler. So you have The Wheel of Time on Amazon that was written in the 90s and early 2000s by Robert Jordan. Um, that's been put onto Amazon to try and compete. Would that have happened 5, 10, 15 years ago? Probably not. That's my, that's that's uh, That's perhaps a... A possibility and then you have the shadow and bone which was on netflix i believe um or amazon um i think no netflix sorry and that was uh written by lee bard uh, bardu she's a israeli-american who written written from 2012 so it's, it's a different sort of again f- female perspective because 95 percent of fantasy novel authors are are men uh, if you look at it um very different from the likes of um, Lord of the Rings that was obviously written and is a bit dated in terms of Tolkien's views and the society of views back then so that's understandable but Shadow and Bone I watched on Netflix it's it's okay it's all about again about a chosen one and a good versus evil and power and um, and, and politics I wouldn't say it was amazing but uh, the uh, easily consumable by the by the sort of popular um, along the popular lines of, of, of the good versus evil um, and then you have the, I would say, very popular with kids uh, in the early noughties, the Amber Spyglass and um, the, uh, the Subtle Knife and uh, um, I've, I've forgotten the last one, but they, that's by Philip Pullman, who's, of course, a massive author who wrote, who wrote many, many different things. And you could say this is fantasy with the demons, daemons or whatever you want to call them, uh, attached to each person, but that was very much for the, the child and... and uh, so you couldn't really say that was put into the mainstream, but but you could say it's not necessarily that the, it wasn't the coolest of um, or the most popular fantasy. But you can see how it was very family focused, much like the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, it was very family friendly as a such. But overall, and I know I've gone in sort of different in a sort of a roundabout way in in, in showing this, but I think and, and thinking about it now, and now I've talked through it is that the fantasy genre has moved gradually from a sort of either within a small cult um, following in a smaller community, whether it's in the smaller reading community or gaming community, 
in the noughties um, or a family-focused, um, happy-go-lucky sort of magical uh, representation of fantasy. It's moved now in the in the in the sort of two thousand from two thousand sort of eleven till now is in the noughties. So not the noughties. So two thousand eleven till now, it's gradually moved to become darker and more um, and more appealing to the mainstream because of its it's re- how it represents um fancy as such so it's perhaps surprising it was actually surprising you could say uh, uh, how game of thrones impacted popular film culture and tv series culture um because that sort of fantasy wasn't necessarily going to, wasn't supposed to be in sort of like that um you could say it's similar more closer to lord of the rings but it didn't have that necessarily that depth that lord of the rings or the traditional depth that lord of the rings had so i would think i remember i was a bit surprised that it became so popular and the fact it obviously lasted for for nearly a decade showed that we we did we were the popular culture did want something like that but in particular i think it appealed um because it was darker and unlike harry potter and unlike all the other um sort of more uh sort of family focused magic idea of magic in the noughties and before that um magic requires some sort of give or sacrifice in um game of thrones and now in the witcher you people have to sacrifice something in order to be able to use these supernatural powers and that's where it taps in a little bit more into the genre of, of being a thriller or a, almost a horror and an action crime adventure and the witcher i think epitomizes this more than any any of the others any of the other other series in the last 10 years whether it's the wheel of time series that's come out and shadow and bone or game of thrones the witcher is where it really taps into this perfect multi-genre you could say of um thriller and horror and action crime adventure as i said <clears throat> so fundamentally then um yeah well fundamentally then there's always been a fascination fascination and hunger for fantasy in all its forms um whether it be traditional in stories shared around the campfire or it's family friendly friendly chronicles of narnia written in the 50s and um and teen pop with shadow and bone and and romances and things like that but definitely now, and what has helped it get to the fore is having that slightly darker side, that adventure side that has depth to the story that allows it to be more than just simply just fantasy. Um, and you could say fantasy is supposed to be defined as different from science fiction, so Star Wars and the likes, and horror, um, because it doesn't have those macabre themes and any real scientific elements to it. Uh, it might have a little bit of an overlap, but no, it tries to get remove those, and that's what calls it makes it fantasy. But I think now it's overlapped so much, and the overlap is so much greater because there is definitely elements of science and trying to figure out how to create something or how to counteract something, um, and dealing with darker, scary monsters and things that are out of your control and things could happen that are unexpected 
has been a delight for arguably the mainstream and mainly for Netflix viewers because this has been perfectly represented in The Witcher. Um, so, uh, and that's why I think it's a, it's a great series. Um, I've really I've enjoyed talking slightly differently in in this episode about um, uh, about about sort of popular TV series. So I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Definitely watch everything I've uh, I've talked about. Definitely watch The Witcher. Play the games. Enjoy something because I've learned that I shouldn't have doubted the fantasy genre because actually I think I always liked it and it's pretty darn good. Thanks everyone. <laughs>